Sleeper 2020, a series of conversations with explorers, artists and thinkers in the world of hospitality experience and design. A leader in design-driven furnishings, Janice at Sea serves hospitality clients with a focus on outstanding quality, superior craftsmanship and unparalleled service. Since its founding in 1978, the company has grown into a comprehensive global resource with a diverse furniture catalogue of over 6,000 pieces, as well as endless custom options, underscored by a comprehensive line of accessories and performance textiles. Janice at Sea has inspired, influenced and delivered for decades to help create beautiful hotel interiors and exterior environments. For more information, visit janiceatsea.com forward slash hospitality. Hello and welcome to the Sleeper 2020 podcast. I'm Guy Dietrich, editor-at-large of Sleeper magazine. We are picking up where we left off with our real-life events earlier this year to celebrate our 20th anniversary. Today, we're speaking to Andre Fu, founder of design studio AFSO in Hong Kong. Welcome, Andre. Nice to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Now, let me just uh, a few words about your, your background, if you like. Hong Kong born and raised, you finished your schooling off in England, ending up with a Bachelor of Arts and Masters in Architecture from the University of Cambridge. Your hospitality work got off to a bit of a fly with a hugely successful and iconic upper house in Hong Kong. That was with Swire Hotels, a hotel that you have said defined my career. It's a contemporary mix of simple forms, modern luxury, unadulterated, restrained palate, but yet still has a very international flavor. Others in your hometown include the Artis, the St. Regis, more of a heritage property looking strongly to reference the uh, Hong Kong environment. Also the Kerry Hotel, uh, more of an urban resort and winner of our Head Asia 2018 awards for both new urban hotel and bar club or lounge. These Asia awards were announced appropriately enough in another interesting hotel you designed. That's the Andaz in Singapore. Very nice there. Uh, we've had some good evenings. And uh, another Singapore hotel of yours was the Fullerton Bay back in 2010. Other projects, Pavilion Suites, the Barclay in London, Waldorf Astoria in Bangkok. Other hospitality spaces, uh, including restaurants in Seoul, Shanghai, Sanya, Tokyo, Istanbul. Also galleries, retail spaces. And in 2019, you launched Andre Fu Living, AFL. AFL is uh, offering collections of homeware and lifestyle products. That's sort of furnishings, linen, lighting and more. You've also collaborated with Taiping Carpets, outdoor furnishing for Janice at Sea, and other objects for Louis Vuitton. Andre, as I say, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Perhaps you could give a little more context as to how you got to where you are today. Well, I think you had a very thorough description of things that I have somewhat accomplished in my career so far. Upper House is definitely a very, very important project uh, that is very, very close to my heart. But I guess in the past 10 years, uh, since the opening of the Upper House, I have worked on a number of projects, some of which are vastly different from the aesthetics of the Upper House. I've chosen to work with such operator as St. Regis and also the Waldorf Astoria, two iconic New York hotels, and somewhat translate their brands in the context of urban Hong Kong and Bangkok. So in some ways, I believe my career has uh, responded to my upbringing in Asia, as well as Europe. And this approach of mine is really not about combining styles. Rather, it revolves around a core value to navigate cultures that are fundamentally very different 
and to reflect contemporary culture, not based on any one particular model. So when people asked about my style, I typically say that my work revolves around a core idea of relaxed luxury, that luxury is not about the way it's, things are being decorated, but around the feeling of what it is like to be in a space. And last but not least, I mean, the notion of East meets West, um, for me, is something that's very much of the past. And whilst the value of cultures and how it influences our lives has always been a core aspect of my work, I think my creativity or my work hopefully should allow people to gain an insight into a world that is curated and conceived and is just a reflection of the way we live today. Well, very interesting because this take, leads us on to looking at your overall design style. And, and there you talked about navigating cultures. And, and you published a book earlier this year with Thames and Hudson entitled Crossing Cultures with Design. Presumably, this is the essence of your work then, although not the East meets West thing in, in terms of sort of a, a wabi-sabi minimalist sort of Oriental Asian uh, style compared with sort of the grandiose, uh, uh, perhaps uh, old fashioned traditional ideas of, of, of luxury from the West. I, is this true? I think that's the goal of what we've tried to um, express or explain um, to the readers. Because many a time when I launch a new project with the likes of Sleeper magazines, we typically talk about one specific project. And to be honest, there has been very rare an occasion where I can look back in my career and really think of how projects might be linked one way or another or how a visual narrative of projects um, as captivated in a, in a publication could help to explain my design philosophy. And I think it's a very rewarding experience. And, and I think what the book has achieved is with the 18 projects that we have selected um, to be part of the book, um, we started off with kind of like the more kind of classic looking projects like the Wardoff or like the St. Regis. And in the middle of it, we go into more of a kind of vibrant urban um, kind of expression uh, where we had the Anda Singapore, we had the cinematic collection that we did for Taiping, the object nomad that I did for Louis Vuitton. And then it kind of ends up with the more kind of minimal, uh, pure works, um, such as um, Villa Lacoste in Provence, uh, the Upper House, 53 West 53, a project that we did in New York inside a Jean Nouvel building. And then lastly, it kind of concludes uh, with my home. And we had an interesting dialogue at the end of the book where I talked about culture and embracing cultural nuances uh, with Arik Chan, a very kind of renowned design curator and a very great friend of mine. And I guess in the, in, in the process of developing the book and in, the, in, the, uh, in kind of reading through it even it really allows an opportunity for me to explain why I did each project in a particular way and how each of, how I conceive the journey within each project in something that is more kind of context um, specific. You talk there about the minimalism and you left that more towards the end of the book in these 18 projects. And yet some of your most recent work has been with the regard, for example, to the St. Regis and the, and the Wald of Astoria with these two, as you mentioned, traditional brands, really. Are you trying to take them forward into a, into a, new, into a new future with the way you've designed those two properties in particular, the, the St. Regis Hong Kong and the uh, Wald of Astoria Bangkok? 
Well, I guess in some ways, I mean, with the success of the upper house, um, people have a certain perception of who I am and what my aesthetics is. But I feel that I, I would not want to be pigeonholed into uh, a specific bracket, per se. And I'm much more interested in how I can reinvent or retell the story of, of a hotel. And I find that very, very provocative, and I find it much more interesting. And I, I just love the fact that I could juxtapose elements. I could juxtapose Art Deco in the context of contemporary Bangkok. I can somewhat embrace the, the kind of heritage feeling of the original St. Regis in the context of modern Hong Kong in the neighborhood of, uh, of Wan Chai, for example. So I find that much more liberated as, as a design career. And there are projects which where we would opt for a more kind of pure, quiet aesthetics. Um, but again, it's very, very much specific to a project. But I think the, the diversity of what we could do and what my clients would entrust me to try and experiment, I think that level of uh, trying to outdo myself and, and be different is something that is very, very important to me. Always developing. And I mean, where, where do you, where's, what's, what's sort of your, 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 your personal design ethic? I mean, presumably what you see in your house, but also upper house, you, you talk about the importance of this property and it is a sort of a very minimalist uh, feel compared with some of the other stuff. What do you prefer most? Um, I think what in, what is important to me is what I describe as the essence of the experience. And obviously, we live in the age of social media and we're bombarded by images. Uh, but what is important is to be to to have that kind of physical interaction with an environment. And once you're inside an environment and you feel fully immersed, and you feel that the designer has designed the space around you, and there's that sense of comfort, you feel at ease. And I think that kind of emotional connection is something that is very, very important to me. There could be multiple you know, kind of influences, aesthetics, it could be vastly different, but I think the underlying feeling of comfort is something that is very, very important um, to all of my work. Certainly. Comfort is a word that I see around a lot of your work in, in, in various press reviews and what have you. Andre, let's um, have a, a look at some of your, maybe your upcoming projects. Uh, I know you've been um, involved in a project in, in Kyoto. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, we have worked on this project for probably four years by now. It's uh, a hotel that is called the Metsui. It's a brand new property that is nestled in the heart of Kyoto and a hotel that is designed to kind of celebrate Japanese beauty. And I've always loved Kyoto. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of um, its heritage, the Moss Garden in particular. So when I had the opportunity to work on this new brand, kind of masterminded by uh, a very important Japanese developer called the Metsui Photosan, to create this kind of flagship property for them. Uh, it's, it's a very, very exciting proposition for me. Now, that was due to open in June, but I, with, with the pandemic and what have you, although the Japanese have controlled that very well, it's now expected to open in November. How, how has that influenced? How have you dealt with those sort of issues? 
I mean, by no doubts, it's it's very very challenging because it's the final stage of a hotel when things are being installed and artwork is being hung and furniture are being being in, sent to site and certain styling work, even staging of books and accessories are being done. But with the help of technology, I mean, we did a number of Zoom meetings. We even had videos taken in daytime and nighttime. Uh, walking into the property and walking through the property, so I think kind of at best of of what we could physically achieve, and we have periodically had reviews every two to three weeks with the owners digitally, and we look at specific rooms and I listened to some of the feedbacks、um, from the hotel team as well. So I think the the general degree of trust between myself and the team is highly important, and they are very open about telling me what might not work so well and what could be adjusted. And equally, I have a very open mind in terms of kind of receiving their feedback. And I think this kind of ongoing dialogue and. And visual representation, whether it's a video or photographs,、um, they all help us to understand the status of the project. And somewhat in the past four months, despite all the challenges, I think we are getting closer and closer to the kind of authentic experience that we're longing for for this particular property. So, Andre, let, let's、um, move on from that Mitsui project there and take a step back, perhaps, to look at the days immediately before the coronavirus took hold, and ask you about where you last sort of got off a, a plane, basically, and where you were coming from. I had a kind of a, a few day off to Bangkok、um, shortly after Chinese New Year. That was around probably the tenth of February. That was my last trip. I mean, we didn't really have a lockdown in Hong Kong,、uh, but. In terms of daily life, but in terms of flying out, we can still fly out, but you just have to go through very stringent quarantine measures if you return back. So I haven't travelled since. Yeah, two two weeks quarantine on the coming back, not much fun.、Um, the Bangkok, were you were you there for the Waldorf Astoria, or, or what were you doing in Bangkok? We have actually started on a new hotel project、um, with a kind of a, a heritage brand.、Uh, Actually, a brand that is birthed in Thailand itself, and a brand that is very much about Thai hospitality. So, very interesting proposition,、uh, because many a time I'm, I mean, thinking about it, there are many occasions where I've been worked on、um, on projects to embrace a city's culture, and sometimes with operators from that particular part of the world. So, it, it makes the process very, very interesting. Super. I'm glad that、uh, things are looking up and business is good. And with that in mind, maybe we could look at how you see travel in general changing over the next twenty years. We're looking at Sleeper 2020 to celebrate our twentieth anniversary. How do you think the next twenty years might look、uh, with global shifts in, in travel and travel patterns? The mentality for travel is evolving in such a such a great speed. I mean, if we think of travel historically, there is two sectors. There is Leisure travel and there is business travel. Perhaps these days, as we all know, with with the aid of technology and and the fact that we have no choice but to rely on technology, a lot of the business meetings could be done digitally. So, the purpose of travel, I would imagine that it's more focused on leisure travel and for people to experience things. And 
because social media made the idea of travel so available and people are much more aware of what is physically available for them to experience, it's going to be a very, very interesting time um, for the world of hospitality and for the world of travel. But no matter how many times you see pictures of the Grand Canyon, you can't experience it until you go there. You have to, in some some stage, physically experience these things. Definitely. I couldn't ag- agree more. But I also think that there is an interesting market for staycations these days. And it's a little bit of a, a, a funny thing when you think that a lot of the times when we do a hotel in a particular city, it's about kind of telling that sense of place. But when people go on staycations in their own city, they want to escape from the city in some ways. So they kind of work against each other. So how do you find a design language that can cater to both? It's also something that I've been thinking of in the past few months. Does the Kerry Hotel address any of those issues with regard to staycationers in Hong Kong? The two properties that I did, the artists and also um, Kerry Hotel, did that very well. I think artists did it because... It's sort of like, I mean, originally it, it was designed with, uh, you know, both short-staying guest and long-staying guest in mind. Um, so in terms of provision, it's got a pantry, it's got storerooms, it's got kind of like a setup more close to uh, kind of like a dream home to some extent. And people love staying there because when you go there, you don't feel that you're necessarily traveling, but you're going to kind of like a, kind of like a, aspired um, lifestyle experience and the fact that we have continuous balcony right um, adjacent to Hong Kong's harbour I think that proposition also made it a very interesting urban escape. Kerry Hotel is actually not that far away from the artists but it is conceived as an urban resort so we've got an a huge amount of alfresco terraces whether it's place for people to lounge sunbathe or dine but just to have that feeling of space and openness um, is something that again creates that sense of urban escape for people so you can be in a city but have something that is of a completely different flavor to the urbanity of the city so i think the future of travel will be even more diverse and we should think of staycation customers as well as traveling customers because um, there's definitely um, the demand um, there. Let's move on then and look a bit more in detail at the design of properties, of hotels. How do you think that's going to change over the next two decades? Where, where do you see this, this moving hotel design? Well, I think it's an ongoing trend. It's more about reflecting a kind of like a more particular niche within a particular sector. So there might be people that opt for very contemporary, co-living, co-working kind of environment because that's just the way they live. Um, Or it could be very quiet, very intimate, very elegant kind of environment. I think it's just, um, it's going to be a market that it's going to be even more and more specific. So more specialization of hotels. Definitely. So the, the kind of the usual like 500 room um, mega hotels, I think those would likely die down a little bit. 
because in terms of catering to kind of like a more utilitarian, like, you know, pragmatic travel, I call it, people might not need that space. People might not need that grandeur. They're just there for pragmatic reasons, whereas experiential travel will gear more towards the higher end customers. And they are there for a purpose to experience culture. And people know if the designer has put in that extra effort to embrace culture and to give the target audience the kind of experience or the level of insight into that particular city, I mean, through that particular property. Looking at, at so some things more specific in in the in the the the, the hotel, um, how, how do you think, uh, for example, the if we start at the beginning, the lobby entrance area might look, um, the whole idea of of of, of lifts and access, um, how are these things might change the, the level of automation? Does that allow for more hospitality, or is it going to be more faceless and and you don't even have to talk to anybody and go straight to your room? Is, that, is where do where do you think that's going to head? Ultimately, the word is hospitality. So I think human interaction is still very, very important. But already we have had requests from some big hotel groups to design, for example, all bathrooms in public areas to be automated. So you go in not having to kind of put your hand on a door handle. You just kind of get yourself detected and then the door will naturally slide open. So I think that is already reflecting on how things have changed in the hospitality sector. I remember like three, four years ago, I mean, we, we would, the desire is to put in mixer taps because they're generally more classy, more sophisticated looking. Uh, but now if you put a, a kind of manually controlled mixer in a bathroom, in, in the public toilet, people are generally very reluctant to use it. So it's just very interesting how how things have changed in the world that we're living in. Agreed. But it, it strikes me a little bit that you're saying that there's there's something for everybody and, and um, things won't change that much. It's not going to be that much of a dramatic change over the next 20 years. I mean, I see the way people are using hotels these days, especially in the past two months, um, when staycation becomes such a new norm in Hong Kong, that people go to hotels and and they would tend to use the facilities and stay in the hotel because that's the whole purpose of escaping. Whereas normally, um, when you go to a new city, unless you're going to a resort, if you're staying in a city hotel, you would typically use the hotel as a base. So again, the purpose of the hotel becomes very, very different. And because people have learned to use the hotel slightly differently and they're forced to, I think that will also trigger a lot of future design considerations. So, for example, executive lounge might might be uh, more of an important place. And if there isn't an executive lounge, maybe there's more of a kind of living room for private use, i.e. hotel guest only, whereas there are other areas that the general public can access. So that kind of uh, demarcation between what is public and private or semi-private becomes even more important. You mentioned the Kerry. There's a sort of strong element of of in and out. I think at the Mitsui as well, there's several gardens and atriums and what have you in Kyoto. How important is this idea of of wellness and and biophilia, for example, in in a property in general, not just the sort of wellness of a spa, but in general terms? How how does that look for you, the future of that? I think wellness is going to be the big big topic for the future. I think everyone will be thinking about wellness. And it doesn't, it's not exclusive again to hospitality it's just a general way that people live 
and it also triggers to how I see my um, my lifestyle brand, Andre for Living, um, going forward. It's not so much about acquiring another piece of furniture, acquiring another set of tableware, but how just with the innovation or the kind of uh, bringing in a, a slight object into your life, and if it's of quality, if it's thought out, how it can enhance your life and provoke your daily well-being. I think that's the kind of thinking that the world will be gearing towards for sure. That is a super element. I, I love this idea of something that provokes thought and and, uh, and wellness and a feeling of sense, sense of, of, of well-being just from something as simple as a nice pencil can make you feel better than a, than a lousy pencil. Uh, Andre Fu, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sleeper 2020, a series of conversations with explorers, artists and thinkers in the world of hospitality experience and design. A leader in design-driven furnishings, Janice at Sea serves hospitality clients with a focus on outstanding quality, superior craftsmanship and unparalleled service. Since its founding in 1978, the company has grown into a comprehensive global resource with a diverse furniture catalogue of over 6,000 pieces, as well as endless custom options, underscored by a comprehensive line of accessories and performance textiles. Janus Etsy has inspired, influenced and delivered for decades to help create beautiful hotel interiors and exterior environments. For more information, visit janusetsy.com forward slash hospitality.